morning, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. I would say the early edition, but I'm on the East Coast, so it's the normal edition for me. Uh, I'm not sure if Tiffany got up early for us or not, but we have a great yeah, Tiffany Kelly. Nice. So we're all three on the right time zone. Uh, <laughs> Tiffany Kelly is the founder and CEO of CuraStory uh, and uh, CuraStory.co. Tiffany, I could not think of someone that's more aligned with what I do, what I never thought I would do, and how I do it coming from uh, a traditional uh, curator, someone who has built brands over the years from the 80s into wherever we are today, the 20s or whatever you call it. Um, but never before have we had a better opportunity to curate content, to be creators ourselves and to create our own spectrum, our own community. And the first question I have for you is, I don't think people value the size, scope, and scale of the audience. And when I say that, I mean, they don't value the size, scope, and scale of the reachable audience, which was always the scam of great media people from the early days of print, then to radio, then to TV, <laughs> then to digital. The reach has always been a, a scam, but it's really not a scam uh, when it comes to social media today because the reach is the reach. We know there's so many people on the internet and you know, from the very first SMS frog viral text that went out, uh, it didn't matter. But the other size, scope and scale that I'm talking about, Tim Tiffany, is that because we have such a large reachable audience for real, not some subscriber base that may or may not turn their TVs onto that channel, um, but more importantly, we don't appreciate a thousand people. Mm. Uh, and, you know, wh where I, I think curators and content creators lose scope, size and scale is they don't appreciate what they can do with a thousand people. And people like the Dr. Pimple Popper who start with a hundred and move to a thousand and all of a sudden have more ambassadors, true engaged people in their lives than the entire Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is the most famous and popular sport in America. Uh, I've learned the lesson of a thousand and uh, you know, I want to kind of talk to you because you're in this business of Chira story of how number one, we, we educate people on how important the thousand is and also how important the reach is. Yeah. I, um, I started at ESPN and kind of, that's what I observed. Um, I'm on the cusp of Gen Z millennial and, when I was there, there's kind of this bifurcation between the lifers at ESPN that were thinking cable forever and then kind of my generation that we were on YouTube, we were consuming content so much differently and um, we wouldn't just turn on TV, we would actually just kind of be in these fragmented audiences watching media in different places. And it got to the point where like our our talent and I, I worked on the content side, our talent were just re-upping negotiations of their contracts because they wanted to do their own content. And so just realized creator economy was here to stay. Um, and kind of marketing and tech and innovation and tools were just coming out to be able to allow creators to to monetize their fragmented 1000 audiences online. Um, but what was super tough is, I mean, you're if you're one person or kind of a niche media company with one or two people like this, you don't have the resources like ESPN. 
um, and creating content, editing it, monetizing it, and distributing it omni-channel digitally is, I mean, those are five, like, five full departments by themselves. And so, um, Curious Story, we just kind of alleviate all of those issues and um, the, the creator can really focus on creating content. So um, brands are able to come in, run campaigns in 10 to 15 clicks and get native creator recorded ad, show, ad spots on hundreds and thousands of video shows on the internet at once, which we're kind of changing that world as well. And then creators can really just sit back and do what they do best, which is create content like this and um, be able to monetize too, which they're not really able to do for like a thousand or so people or their end user audiences. Before I let Mikey jump in here, I got to say this because I've worked with the biggest stars at Disney and ESPN. And one of the yeah. resounding commonalities is I'm looking at our three backgrounds is the one, <laughs> the one complaint that I heard is they care more about the set than they do me. And the nice thing about the creators now is nobody gives a shit about the, the, the set that we're in. In fact, I think people enjoy uh, the different backgrounds that some where I appear, like where's Waldo, uh, than spending <laughs> millions and millions of dollars on a set. So uh, I, I thought that was funny as you're saying. I'm thinking, yeah. now look at these three different backgrounds and nobody gives a shit. So sorry, Mikey. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Good morning, Tiffany. Uh, Good morning. Congratulations on Cura Story. Simply fantastic. A huge fan of what you're doing. Been in the space a while and just watching what's happening and love decentralizing media like everything else being decentralized these days. It's just a fantastic opportunity. And congrats on the on the site itself. I went through there. It's amazing. It's just so user friendly and it's just it's so great and organic to use. I, I really enjoyed going through it. Um, take me through if I am a, a student athlete or other and I want to use it. What's the learning curve like? What's the uptake process for me? to get into it because I've been posting all of these great clips on social media, but yeah. now I want to kind of get more formal. How does that happen? Yeah. So honestly, the only learning curve that we really have is making sure that you're comfortable filming yourself um, and with video and having your phone um, in front of your face and kind of shooting a day in the life, or this is what I eat in a day. This is me working out, which honestly, Gen Z, that's what they do all the time now. Um, TikTok has passed YouTube and and watch time. So, um, so the cool thing about Cure Story is just they create account, they upload all of these day in the lives, the, the the short one minute um, to two minute clips of kind of what they're doing, and then they just get ad spots um, from brands, and they either accept or decline it. Um, if they decline it, we match it to another campaign running. If they accept it, then they get a script, product link any other direction from the brand and they just film a one to two minute spot and we have a really cool magic tool um, that they can just put the time where they want that ad spot to start in their video and then with, with one click post to YouTube, IGTV, Facebook Watch and TikTok. Um, they don't even have to worry about invoicing brands. We just debit the credit card of the brand every um, a thousand views whatever the rate is for that ad spot. And the cool thing is the only thing that's sponsored is that one to two minute spot. The rest of the video is fully original. Um, so the engagement rate is way higher. Like who wants to buy a magazine with all ads in it? Um, so that's kind of a really nice piece that um, student athletes can just honestly focus on creating content and we, we take care of everything else. So great. And you know, it's so interesting because uh, I don't think people will to go back to the thousand 
understand how dynamic and valuable those student athletes are. Um, you know, I'd much rather pay uh, the captain of Harvard's hockey team who plays for the Olympic team, who has a very engaged following. I'd rather him, pay him to post my content and give his fair feedback on I either love or hate David Meltzer. Either way, it's good for me. But his audience yeah. is so valuable because, you know, for you know, for some beer money or, or some whatever money he uses, which means so much more to him uh, at this stage, uh, the audience is much more valuable uh, to get the exposure. And all of a sudden, athletic directors and coaches and other people are reaching out going, I don't know what the kid's talking about. I love this stuff. Or you know, <laughs> I agree with I agree with them. Uh, either either way, it's, it's good for a brand. One of the yeah. other things, Tiffany, that you, you're, you're excellent at is there's an inherent... I'm, you know, I'm a middle-aged mutant turtle. And when I say a, mu a mutant no. turtle, I'm a mutt. I, I, I literally, I've been around long enough to see the inherent Everything. biases. Yeah. yeah. The inherent biases with three daughters of my own. My business partner is Warren Moon. You know, I, I've seen inherent biases, which is the majority of the biases that have been around since the 70s. But there's something that's really cool about technology. It's accelerated yep. everything. And what it is, especially as accelerated is the learning curve. See, what happened in a generation is that we prepared, you know, over 50 some percent of the women were going to college, but they weren't executives. Um, mm. And what's happening now is because they don't know how to play the game. It's not because there's a bias there. It's there's a game to be played. And, you know, as a black female, you've been able yeah. to raise over a million dollars. You learn the VC game. You've learned the, <laughs> the creator game. You've learned the, the content game. And I will say that, you you know, in my mind, by the time you're my age, I'll be disappointed if you're not over the B, the B mark uh, because you have all the skills, you have all the skills, knowledge and desire. And now you know how to play the game and you're helping other people. You're elevating other people to play the game as well. Um, yeah. Where do you see uh, the best place to monetize, you know, th this content? It's it's all great and clear, but mm. what I love about what you do is you have a keen sense on, hey, this is about making money, helping people and having fun, not just helping people and having fun. We actually can make some money so we can help more people and have more fun. Right. I honestly think creators have to be omni-channel today. I feel like specifically for video, I feel like audio, that world is really owned by Spotify. Um, and kind of that's kind of why these creators accept these contracts just exclusively be on Spotify. But I think with video, there are way more platforms. People are consuming video in so many different places. And so creators, the best place to monetize really is you have to post everywhere. Um, Cause I consume content like on IGTV, but I have, I know friends that consume it on TikTok and people that consume it on YouTube. So you really have to be able to post everywhere. And I think that's kind of the awesome thing with Kira Story is, um, with one click from our platform, creators can post everywhere um, and they're monetizing every single audience that they have on every single platform. Um, and, and, and we're just debiting the brand from that and they're getting paid for that. So um, that's the pretty, the pretty awesome thing I would say. But I think um, also for creators, I think monetizing everywhere, but also being able to do long form content or my lean above a minute, um, not just kind of doing these pay to posts where you're just holding a brand drink or something, really being able to tell a story. Cause then at that point you unlock longevity um, 
and really being able to monetize for a really long time and being able to tell stories. And that's kind of why I'm super excited for student athletes. I really hope they kind of move away from pay to post in these like influencer marketplaces and they really kind of focus on long form content and using platforms like Anchor and, and Cure Story that way they could really just monetize sponsored segments within kind of these a minute, two minute video shows. It's fantastic, Tiffany. And I, I think you started to answer my question. I just wanted to maybe elaborate a little bit, but are you finding certain forms or types of content that are scaling more that are, be, that are more monetizable because audiences are relating more on a human level or other? Yeah, it's, it's actually a mix between long form and short form. And it's so funny because long form people are like, oh, like 30 minutes. Like, no, like we consider long form above a minute. Um, and if anything, anything below that is short form. Um, so short form, it, it was trending like closer to short form, but actually TikTok increased up to three minutes now. So, um, that even tells you statistically that longer form kind of three to five minutes is, is the sweet spot. Um, and obviously of course you just kind of have to hook people within the first, few seconds for them to want to to continue engaging and continue watching um but i think it is gearing more towards long form a little bit so above a minute on all the platforms thus the original you know seven figures i spent on a hundred vlogs traveling an entire team around for a year gary v and i would i guess but we got tons of content to cut up into one minute clips (laughs) so anyway that's perfect it is that's the great thing about content, right? It's perpetual. Uh, Tiffany, you're yeah. incredible. Tiffany Kelly, CuriousStory.co, uh, especially for those student athletes, entrepreneurs that are uh, here with us every day. Reach out. She gets it. She will help you get it as well to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. Could you ask more as a creator? Remember <laughs> the power of a thousand. Thanks so much, Tiffany. Bye. Thanks. Great thanks, job. Tiffany. We appreciate you. That's All right, name. now we get the legend. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, nine-time Emmy Award-winning television journalist and an exceptional media coach, Jane uh, uh-huh. Hansen here, trainedextra.com. And don't forget our co-venture here with our friends at nobodystudios.com. Uh, thank you so much, Jane, for joining us. Well, good morning. How are you guys? Good morning. Fantastic. Jane, I've been dying to have you on this morning because I am in the midst with my wife of uh, designing a home. We're, we're here re, re, in Bloomington when my daughter goes to school. Uh, she's a glam lord. So we're, we're renovating this home. And uh, communication when you're tired and frustrated, dealing with contractors is essential. And I know uh, mm-hmm. I, I've been involved in media training for a long, long time, either as a witness or a participant um, from the Lee Steinberg days to the Sports One marketing days, now to my own media days. Um, you're an expert at communication and I want to switch the, the, the perspective is I have found that I don't have as much difficulty communicating to people, to others, where my real lack of communication is to source. My, my real lack of communication is, okay, it was 11 o'clock last night. We were hanging something and it fell. And I was on the speakerphone with my 11-year-old saying, Daddy, why are you gone so long? And I lost my lid. 
Yeah. And I, and I didn't lose my lid because I wasn't communicating effectively with my wife. It was, I wasn't communicating con connectively through me. How have you been able to teach that kind of more spiritual side of communication that allows us to have a frequency or vibration that resonates at the correct frequency? Well, I'll tell you what, it's one of the hardest things to do because a, we get our anger gets in the way, our ego gets in the way, all kinds of things get in the way. So in my mind, the easiest thing to do is to put yourself in the other person's shoes because you're taking something out on them that has nothing to do with them. And the bottom line is we all, I mean, I think the hardest part of, of communication in general is people are insecure. And so when they're insecure, they either say things they don't want to say, they act in ways they don't want to act, and they never think logically about the effect it's going to have on somebody else. So it's always thinking, what am I, how am I going to do this to other people? What am I doing to other people by this when it's all about me? And so you really need to, just calm yourself, take deep breaths, listen. There's actually three things I like to say. One is the, the first thing is don't say the first thing that comes in your mind. The second thing is reframe it. The third thing is then elaborate on that reframing. So you're losing it with your 11 year old, right? And she had nothing to do with that picture falling off the wall. So you gotta, you gotta step back and say, why am I doing this to her? Cause she's the person there. You're taking it out on the person that's there when they have nothing to do with it. So you just have to remember the situation. But I always think that reframing works. Yes, and I like, I like the breathe first. You know, I call it the stop, drop and roll. Just mm -hmm. stop, breathe then go through these three wonderful steps that Jane has taught us. Yep. Uh, Mikey, I know you're dying yeah. to ask a question. I can see your lips are like. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm excited to talk to Jane. Good morning, Jane. Uh, I, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, live by the creed that every, every um, disagreement is a product of miscommunication, right? And, and that's so often the case. I want to take it back to a lot of our audience, our founders and, you know, involved in, in companies where they're pitching different things. And so I want to talk to you about, I think, the predecessor to verbal communication, which is body language um, and how important that is. Yeah. What are some of the things you can tell us that are important before we even open our mouth? When we're going to go on Dave's two minute drill and I want to pitch why I have the next greatest product or I'm sitting through an interview. What can we learn about that? Well, you, first, if you think about this logically, we've only had a spoken language for 160,000 years, and we've walked on Earth for two to 14 million, depending on who you believe. Right. So it's innate. It is innate, and we forget about it. You make judgments. I mean, how many times a, a really interesting little exercise is to turn off the television, I mean, turn off the sound on the TV, and you still understand the story that's being told by the way people are acting, right? right. So when you've got an immediate fast pitch, you know you gotta get it done quickly. You need to A, exude confidence with your posture. Are you standing, are you sitting, whatever you're doing? That's it, sit up straight. Um, so your posture, I've got a poster that's that, that shows somebody who's slumping over and it, underneath it, it says evil. So somehow, <laughs> if you're slumping, you're evil, but when you're standing up straight, you're exhibiting confidence, then, you have to, you, if you're moving forward, if you're walking into a room, now you've got to be a little cautious with this these days, but more, or in the past I'd say, put your hand out, get ready to have a good firm handshake. Um, now you might, it might be a, a thumb thing. And doing it virtually, 
you might want to lean in a little bit so that the person knows that you're interested. Then it's your voice. If you start out with, hi, so nice to meet you. My name is Jane Hansen. With an uptick at the end of my voice, you immediately are saying, man, this person isn't worth talking to. She doesn't even know her own name. Because anytime you have an uptick, you turn something, you turn a statement into a question. So it's really about, and then the eye contact. The eye contact's got to be spot on. Make sure that you're really looking somebody in the eye and because eyes are the gateway to the soul. And you become very believable when you do that. So it's, it's, it's really, you know. How am I, what's my posture? What's my eye contact? What are my hands doing? If your hands are flying all over the place, they're distracting. So then people say, hmm, I'm so focused on her eyes. I'm not, or on her hands. I'm not listening to what she's saying. So anything that distracts, detracts. Mm. Yeah, when you have a face like mine, eye contact's really important. Only into the bedroom eyes, not to the rest of the place. Uh, <laughs> you know, I watched you for years on t- today in New York, um, and one of the lessons that I learned, I, I, I watch people that that I want to be like. You know, uh-huh. uh, Katie Couric was one, and I've been blessed to, to be with her and you, and uh, even Joel Osteen. I, I think is a tremendous performer. Absolutely. Uh, tremendous communicator. Uh, what, whether you agree with what his content is, doesn't matter to me. I study uh, what they do. And what you do exceptionally well is you, it's not that you're talking to people. Uh, it, it's as if you're, you know what they're listening for. Um, and so I was hoping that you could work us through how you do that, you know, because I think so many people want people to listen to them. And some people provide information that we're listening for. Um, and I know ego's involved there a little bit, but how, I, I know you've been doing this a long time. Is there some tips that you can give in media training to know what your audience is listening for instead of talking to people? Well, first of all, it starts with really good prep. Who is that audience? You want to you wanna understand before you walk in the door. So many people have one message and they're going to, by God, they're going to give it to that audience, whether that audience wants to hear it or not. But without ever thinking that maybe they need to tailor the message to the audience, it's crucial. People don't know who they're talking to at times. You Are you speaking to young people, old people? What's their ethnicity? Are they male? Are they female? Um, where, you know, what's their location? What's their geography? And so you really need to know your audience first. That's really crucial. So good, good prep is, is totally important. And then the second thing is, now you've figured out who's my audience, then you want to make sure that you've, you're addressing them and you're really not only looking at them, but you're listening very carefully. You know, my, my mother used to tell me that I have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listening is crucial. And then you can pick up on a key word that somebody's saying. And when you pick up on that word, then you can ask a question that revolves around that. And when people feel they're listened to and they're heard, makes all the difference in the world between the communication. So it's, it's um, you know, audience 101 is what I like to call it. Make sure you know who they are. And I do a lot of work with my clients saying, let's, First, start with who are you talking to? Because they might have nine or 10 different messages and they're not talking to, you know, they're not, ta- they're not giving the right one to the right people. So I think that's real crucial. Yeah, that's, that's what I was curious to know, Jane, is what, what do you provide? What services in media training and presentation skills are available? So then there I am using my hands, right? Um, but you can use them. I'm not saying don't use them. Right. I'm I just saying don't use them. I'm not doing this. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. You know, I, I, it's part of, I guess, the passion. But as long as it's but not just the role. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, yeah. So what, what um, do you have available? How would we learn these things? Are there, is, is it a program that you offer? Is it private coaching? Because this is something that obviously a lot of people can benefit from. So it's, a lot of it's one-on-one, but I also do large groups. I do, um, I'm actually back doing a lot of it in person now because in person is so, it's so much better. When you're doing it virtually, it's a little bit harder because I can only see this much of your body, even though this much of your body can really tell a lot. You know, the way I'm using my eyes, the way that's I'm- a good, That's a good thing because we don't wear pants. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> I, got, I, I got them on, I'm kidding. <laughs> during, COVID, during COVID, I wore this pair of cutoffs that are all ripped up. I wear them every single day and I've decided I'm going to bronze them. Nice. <laughs> You know, what the hell? Um, okay, so the training. So I do both presentation and media training. And there, there's the same skills are prevalent in both. How you use your body, et cetera, how, what, what the content is, that sort of thing. But in the media training, obviously, if you're going to be in a television show or you're going to be in, in a podcast or you're going to be wherever you are, time is of the essence because you've only got so much time. So we have to really polish the messaging and do that sort of thing. Um, same thing with presentation because you don't want people going on and on and on and on and on forever because then it gets really boring and old. So the the, the training really consists of I do it in shorter, like hour and a half to two hour um you know, time frames in when it's virtual, half days when it's uh, in, um, you know, when you're doing it in person. And basically what I do during it is we start by assessing previous videos that they've done, taking a look at what I think they do really well, and then where I think they could take it up a notch. Video is a big tool in what I do. I take videos of everybody. We play them back. We look at them so they can see that. Then I show them best practices of uh, what other people might be doing. Um, for example, if they're going to do some sort of a, of, of a show like this, I might take take you guys and give them examples of what you're doing, how you're asking your questions, how tough you're going to be on them. Yes, what your posture is like. Um, but just it's it's really just to, to show them what other people do and give them some really solid examples of how they might want to perform. And then we literally go through it after we've worked on the messages. How are you going to say this? Um, one of the skills that I learned from all of my years in television, and I never knew it was going to be so important, was this ability to edit. Edit really, you know, Mark Twain and a whole bunch of other people said these these great lines about, I'd, I'd have written a shorter letter if I had more time. Editing and taking taking the words and making them shorter and smaller, making them so that people really understand so you're clear and concise. That message polishing is really crucial. We work on that and then we get into the video and it's really a matter of, of rehearsing and doing it again and doing it again until we get it right. People are afraid. There's People are afraid of, of speaking in public. They're afraid of getting on a stage. Um, Jerry Seinfeld used to tell a joke that more people would rather in a, at a funeral would rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. So it's really, it's, people are afraid of, of public speaking and there's no reason to be, it should be fun. You're out there telling your story and I just help you tell your story better and sometimes a lot more clearly. And you That's do that not only for media people, but also today, as you saw from Kira's story, 
everybody's a media personality and also for corporate reasons to communicate effectively internally as well as pitching as i have a pitch show uh mm-hmm. you know i see that that training is is essential uh you know i was speaking in arizona the other week and uh the world champion legends uh bodybuilder that natural bodybuilder was before me on stage and she came off and she looked at me and she goes i don't know how you do what you do i'm terrified of speaking on stage and mm-hmm. i said that's okay because there's a duality to the terrified uh state that you do i said if i would go on stage in a g-string like you uh not only would i be terrified but the audience would be terrified as well <laughs> <laughs> I said, why don't we train each other? I said, I got a lot easier job to train you to not be terrified <laughs> of speaking than you do to shave my whole body and, and stand on stage at a G-string. So to that note, thank you so much for helping us out at Nobody Studios. Nine-time Emmy Award winning. The incredible thank you. I, I use the legend only for the accomplishments and legacy that you've created for so many others as you have celebrated and elevated so many other people in your life, which is why we'd love to have you with Nobody Studios as well. And please reach out. If you need any type of training on how to communicate, even to your 11-year-old or to your wife when you're remodeling a home, just reach out. Uh, we, we are blessed to have you on our team. Please, everyone, Jane Hansen, trainextra.com, X-T-R-A, that is, with no E, and nobodystudios.com. Please reach out to her. Thanks for joining us. Thank Thank you you. very much. And I love your mantra, make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. (laughs) I love that. Bingo. And you live it. That's what's beautiful. So thank you. (laughs) Have a great day, you guys. You too. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Well, she hit, she hit my, uh, my uh, Achilles tendon, my, my kyphosis posture from leaning over on computers. I'm going to be subconscious to make sure I'm powerful and stand yeah. up straight. Uh, well, we are on a roll today. <laughs> Our third extraordinary woman today, Kim Woods is in the house, CEO of Kaleidoscope Enterprises, kimwoods.com. That's nice and easy. And uh, I want to talk about intuition because she has three intuitive leadership lessons, KLT, which I'm going to let her talk about. But before we get into KLT, Kim, welcome to Office Hours. I want to, to understand what intuition is. So many people, you know, will ask me about my intuition, my main meaning, my gut, whatever it is. I, I'd love for someone who has created KLT to give me her perspective on what intuition is. I love that, David. And thanks for having me here in office hours. I love being here. Um, so intuition, you're right. It's, a, it's something that's not known. And that's why it's so confusing because you can't, there's no physical evidence of whatever it is that you're getting an inkling of or nudge or that instinct, which you just talked about. So the instinct is the doorway. So we can talk about gun instinct. People feel pretty comfortable about that. Like I got that, ooh, that feeling in the pit of my stomach or or the hair raised on the back of my neck, or I got those goosebumps. We've all had that. That's the first step in intu- into, into your intuition because that's going to be the yes or no. Should I hire this person? Should I go in this direction? Should I buy this home or, you know, rent this apartment? So we, we've all had those like, ooh, I got that initial like, ooh. And if we listen to it, we look back on it and we say, oh, thank goodness we listened because my instincts were right. So, you know, the instinct I think people feel comfortable with. When you get into intuition, though, that's where people get a little bit 
confused or doubtful or or they just don't really understand because intuition at first we we haven't practiced we it's a muscle we haven't developed right when we were younger maybe we had an imaginary friend or maybe we just knew something and we made the adults feel uncomfortable no one's fault but we've learned to shut it down and so because we've shut it down for probably decades now we're saying to ourselves gee we really want to use our intuition a, I don't know what it is. B, it doesn't even talk to me. And then C, well, why would I believe it anyway? Because it's not really real. But our KLT method helps you step into your intuition. It's a beautiful walkway. After you walk through that door of instinct, when you know yourself, like yourself, and trust yourself. And as you develop those things, you can then realize that, ooh, my intuition is like my best friend sitting right here, my guide, the best mentor that I could ever hire, my whole fleet of like a jetpack of people and all this energy and certainty and calm for me to get through these chaotic times. I, before Mikey, real quick, I love that because I always say my perspective is my co-pilot. Now I'm going to have to add another seat to my plane. So I have my intuition and my perspective are my co-pilots. I love that. Go ahead, Mikey. He's getting a bigger plane. Good morning, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? It's a public, it's a commercial flight. So everybody's welcome to join. <laughs> I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, I love what you're saying. I love everything that you're doing. I went on this, this spiritual journey that started happening for me. You could see the beads about seven years ago. And, I, you know, Dave and, and so many of us, right, come from the world of trial attorney, corporate America, professional executive. And all of a sudden I'm doing things that my partners are looking at me and then saying, what are you doing? And it just became this magical journey that now people are coming back in to say, hey, what is that that you were doing? So there's something special there, right? Absolutely. Um, when we talk about intuition, what are the things that, because you mentioned, you know, some people rely heavily on it, others don't. What are the things that people can do, whether it's through meditation or quiet time or diet or other different things to start developing an intuition if they don't otherwise have something that they want to start tapping into? Yeah, I, I get that question all the time, of course, right? Like you, I grew up in corporate America and I was doing all the things to be successful, right? Wildly dissatisfied. So, so I too went through a spiritual journey and then came out the other side, if you will. And now I front face with intuition. And the reason why I do it is because it clears the pathway. It aligns you with all your opportunity. It helps you draw in your soulmate clients. And so, you know, and you can develop raving fans. It's, it's excellent. I'm just doing an extra teaser for people to why they should care about their intuition. So I just wanted to take that moment. Thanks for, for letting me do that. So how you, how you can do that. Okay. When I tell people either to breathe or to meditate, they literally want to just shudder. Like they just, I can't do it. I don't know how to quiet my mind. It's, it's not, it's not my jam. And I really appreciate that. So, so what we say to do is we say to take just like little tiny breath snacks throughout the day, just one, two or three breaths just a few moments throughout the day. You can do it when you're, you know, when you're logging in, you can do it when you're checking your email, you can do it when you're out walking your dog, right? Or when you're like throwing a load of laundry in, I'm doing like life because we're living at home and we're working at home mostly, right? So um, those are the things you can do. The other thing is you can take a pause moment. Look at that. We just took a pause moment. You can take a pause moment whenever you want. If somebody's asking you a question, if your boss comes over and he's asking you something that you don't know, you're, you're like, ooh, I don't really know where I want to go with this. 
pause, literally pause. You need to create silence for your intuition just to get space, just to be able to be heard. Our minds are going so fast. There's so much information. There's so many things coming at us. Our minds are in the driver's seat right now. And we want our minds to take, they don't have to leave the car or the plane, but, but we want them to not to be the only pilot. We want intuition to be the pilot too. So letting, letting that awareness happen, right? Like this is where knowing, knowing, just being aware, being aware of that other person, being aware of the connection, being aware of, of what's around you, but most importantly, being aware internally, knowing yourself. What is it that you want? What satisfies you? What, what do you love to do? What makes you happy? Do you realize when I ask that question of people, they're stunned. They don't know how to answer it. Oh, yeah. Right? So that's like the first thing. What satisfies you? Being able to answer that question, that's the knowing. Liking yourself, yes, we could talk about self-care. You know, I liked what you talked about fitness or, you know, wellness or, you know, doing some yoga, going for walks, going out in nature. What you're trying to do is get your mind out of the equation all the time. Because your mind can only handle what it already knows. So if you're going through growth or change or transformation, your mind is actually not your friend. Your mind is lovely and wonderful and a great problem solver. And it's been, it's, it protects you and that's beautiful, but it's trying to protect you. So it's going to say no. At some point you're going to say no, whether you whether you make an excuse. I love what David says about don't say the word busy. Right? Yes. You're creating lack when you say busy. You're literally sending the signal out there that, nope, I don't want anything new. I don't want any opportunity. I don't want that beautiful connection coming. Yeah. Right? So, so you, oh, I'm blissfully, you know, I'm blissfully connected. I'm wildly active. You know, that's a much better way to say that. Your mind can then grow to accept and that expansion. The other thing about like trusting yourself. Think about trusting yourself. When you trust yourself, you are like that pillar in the middle of the room that cannot be swayed, right? You, you know, you really, really are, are like unwavering in your conviction. Imagine being that in the marketplace right now. Imagine being that beacon, that state, that beautiful, you know, energy that's out there saying yes, right? Like you're saying yes to all the things. And you're and you're following your intuition, so you're you're in alignment with all those beautiful opportunities. People will flock to you because you're calm and you're certain. Yeah, yeah, and that that certainty and confidence, that connection comes from clarity, balance, and focus. And you know, during crisis, especially like you said, uh, you've had your own personal uh, crisis with your with your child, which is right. an extraordinary one because anyone that's a parent. Um, knows, uh, you know, that would be one of the most interfering times in our life. And yet through the reconciliation of ancient wisdom uh, with Western medicine, you were able to heal uh, your son. And I always tell people when we're in crisis, remind yourself the law of gravity. I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am worthy. And I am happy. Right. Just look to what am I doing to interfere with that? Uh, when you realize as we care about our children, Kim, that there's an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that feels the same way about us, that we feel about our children, except for, as you suggested earlier, we're not all-knowing, we're not omniscient, we're not all-powerful. So we now have a leg up when we shift the paradigm and utilize the law of gravity to say, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. 
Right. I'm at the right place in the perfect time. I'm happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. What am I doing at this time to interfere with that? And how can I clear that interference through one instinct of raising my awareness? Okay, there's an issue. Then intuition of knowing, liking, and trusting KLT, determining what I want personally, experientially, giving and receiving, who can help me and who can I help? And then how am I going to get this done is the trust part of trusting. Right. And I, I will say vetting. Uh, yeah. You know, If we want to add letters, I would call it KLTV. No <laughs> like trust and then vet because vetting is the process of transcending from the higher ancient wisdom into a practicality of man-made constructs like time and money. Uh, and we're able to do and transcend those higher frequencies and vibrations into the slower. Last question real quick. Um, the, the, the mental side of thought, you know, it's so important to pause because we realize then that the speed of thought is far greater than the speed of the mouth. Absolutely. And so when we can use the higher power of thinking and the faster power of thinking in order to, to know, like, and trust, what is a mechanism to get out of our own way so we can allow the speed of thought to find that intuition or allow what's best for us, that faith to come through us and allow us to expand, grow and accelerate. There's always the mantra. You know, I love how you just said that. If you, if you give your mind a job, that's what I say. One of the jobs could be breathing. Another job could be mantra. Um, another job could be information. Like literally, I just say, you know, put that mind in the back seat and just give it like give it a snack, right? Give it give it some candy. I call it mind candy. One of the things we have, David, is we do have a quiz that says answers the question. Do you know, like and trust yourself? Because that's a big question. Right. And so we have avatars and we have, you know, six of them. And we we give that give that information to your mind. So that as your mind is snacking on that, you're actually letting that opening for the vibration, that energy, that connection to come through. And it's a beautiful thing. It really is super helpful. And you've been extremely helpful. Mike and I appreciate you so much. The CEO of Kaleidoscope Enterprises, KLT. Go to kimwoods.com. Learn how to utilize instinct intuition as well as the KLT, and maybe a little bit of V uh, in there from someone who can marry and reconcile the ancient wisdom that she's tapped into with different Western pragmatic uh, methodologies and how we live in this world with the higher power of thinking. Thank you so much, Kim. I look forward to doing more with you. Uh, I'm certainly aligned and everything you say resonates so much with me. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Kim. Wow. All right, Mike and Mike. Great we, guests. Great. Oh my God. I feel like uh, Charlie and Charlie's angels, like three <laughs> superheroes. And uh, I, I thought, Hey, Charlie, uh, what's going That's on it. here? They, are, we are we dating ourselves with that? Or you're not referring to the original. Oh, I date myself all the time. I can't change my, <laughs> I can't change my age, but I can change my perception. That's I, I can give meaning to everything I see. But my birth date here on earth is always the same, 111. That's uh, the beloved date. Anyway, Mikey, what's your takeaway for the day? My, my, my takeaway is, man, it's really just resonates with – all three of the guests, I think, said it and said it in different ways and demonstrated it through their companies, but um, that we all have a story to tell, right? And, and in order to tell that story, we have to know our story. So starts with 
learning about ourselves, becoming aware, then being able to tell our story. So, you know, if we take the guests in reverse order, Kim with learning about ourselves, learning our story, you know, KLT, know, like, and trust. And then once we know that, like Jane talked about being able through the way that we demonstrate and communicate, effectively communicate that story. And then like Tiffany talked about being able to monetize it. There are all various ways, you know, Cura Story is doing an amazing job. This is incredible. And there are so many other ways once we know ourselves that we can monetize ourselves. I love that. And for me, it is effective communication and inspiration uh, through all of the guests that are learning and understanding what we're connected to and through Tiffany, Jane and Kim, all teaching us effective communication is clearing the interference between us and the omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, appreciating what we've received, listening for and learning from as an intelligent follower or a leader, how to communicate through us what we've learned to others, uh, continuing the process of inspiration, the coordinate of effective communication, live inspired in spirit, clear the interference between you and the all-powerful, all-knowing and omniscient, and everything else that you're connected to and through. Mikey, I feel so connected to and through you, the double M at Mike Mamola. I get to see you next week, hang out in the Blessed Motorhome, as well as many other flights. We got uh, a high-powered audience going to be interviewed by CNBC, uh, their lead anchor there uh, at Propellify. Uh, We'll be in Philly. We'll be in Westchester. We'll be in Miami with some heavy, heavy hitters from Tim Story to Kim Perel to... Patrick Bet Davis, we are going to rock and roll in Miami. Bring it on the VIP uh, mastermind there. And uh, looking forward to, to seeing everyone. Super Thank excited. you, Mike, so much for joining me. Say hi to Marino for me. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning, by, by the way. Will do. Look forward to it. Thank you. Another edition of Office Hours. I think we're on like episode 250 or something like that. Is that correct, Matt? Is this 250? 250? 251. Yesterday was 250. All right, so uh, 250 episodes of Office Hours. Uh, I hope everyone's enjoyed them. They're still available for you. Stephanie Strong, good to see you, my friend. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, Scott and Jake and Mike and Cameron and Colleen and Blaine. So much fun. You can catch the replays. David at dmeltzer.com. If you need anything, I'll send you my book, my ebook. I'll sign a copy of my book and pay for the book and shipping for you. I appreciate everyone, but remember, most importantly, Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you later.